Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap podcast. I am your host, Bob Dickey, and I'm really excited about this episode. Our next guest, Jeremy Kubitschek, is a great friend of mine. We found ourselves in a YPO forum out of Atlanta, Georgia for a number of years, and I really appreciated learning how Jeremy got his entrepreneurial start back when he was a little boy in the farm fields of the Midwest and the, the discipline that his father taught him and how that discipline transitioned into an incredible entrepreneurial journey where he found himself fresh out of college in the mid-90s in Russia, of all places, starting and leading companies shortly after the fall of the wall. And uh, th- some of the, the, the stories and the, the things that he uh, learned during that time period are really incredible. And he brings a lot of that wealth of knowledge and experience back to the United States. And one of the interesting things, I mean, he has a storied entrepreneurial career, uh, founding over 20 plus companies in his, uh, in his career. And one of them was he went in with a group of uh, investors and actually bought John Maxwell's company. So many of you know that John Maxwell is an incredible thought leader and leadership coach, uh, not only here, but around the globe. And Jeremy actually bought that company and led it uh, at one point was leading one of the largest leadership conventions globally with over 150,000 plus attendees attending these conferences. At the time, it was called the Chick-fil-A LeaderCast. And I believe right now it's just the LeaderCast, but an, an incredible event that I've attended multiple times. But Jeremy founded uh, many companies led the John Maxwell company before a number of years ago, selling it back to John. And he himself is the author of a number of incredible books, one of which that you're going to hear in this episode, The 100X Leader. Jeremy talks about how we can be a liberating leader versus a dominating leader and why our businesses, our nonprofits, why in our communities we need more liberating leaders in key positions as opposed to dominating leaders and how devastating a dominating leader in that type of leadership style can be uh, for people and for uh, organizations. Jeremy is passionate about helping people live their best version of themselves. He's also passionate helping people increase their leadership abilities and to be able to maximize their God-given talents and potentials. So without any further ado, I hope that you enjoy this episode of Taking the Leap podcast with our guest, Jeremy Kubitschek. We've been friends for quite some time and you have always been uh, an encourager uh, we, you and I have been in YPO together for many years and we were in forum together. And that's one of the things that I greatly appreciate about you is you've got, you're insightful, but you've been a, an incredible encourager for leaders. And that's kind of what you're doing right now in, in life as you're working with senior leaders at organizations and helping them to be the best version of themselves and 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you gave a talk last night about being a liberating leader as opposed to a dominating leader, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what we found is over the course of time, I've just worked with so many companies and so many and started my own and realizing tendencies that we all have. And um, some some people have a tendency to just bring high challenge, but not much support. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they end up dominating people and they don't necessarily know it. doesn't mean they wake up and put their evil badge on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They just simply wake up and go, you know, they do what they've experienced. And so mm-hmm. if you think about our upbringing, if you had a dad who was constantly bringing challenge, but no support, or if you had a boss, or if that's all you've known, mm-hmm. uh, command and control in, in the military. Right. It's like, I'm the boss, you do what I say. Well, that doesn't really work mm-hmm. in this next uh, era. Uh, it doesn't build influence. And I think that's what's uh, changing dramatically. So we, we, we just give language to the idea that um, a liberating leader brings empowerment and opportunity, but high challenge. And I think, there's, I think what happens, a lot of people pivot. They either go domination or they move all the way over to protecting and protecting is high support, low challenge. And we're finding, no, the best leaders are both. We need leaders who bring unbelievably high challenge, but they need to establish support first. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what we've learned along the way, that the best leaders in the world gain influence because people want to be with them, not have to be with them. And I think that's a key key point to know. So for the listeners who are uh, listening right now and they want to learn more about these concepts, one of the things that you shared over breakfast is that one of the things that you want to be able to do is take sometimes difficult, maybe confusing or complex things and break it down to make it really easy to understand and applicable for anybody to be able to apply in their life. And so for our listeners, what book because uh, you've written multiple books, mm-hmm. but what books should they go out and use as a resource to study these principles and to learn more about it? Yeah, so the the 100x leader probably is the culmination of all of our tools mm-hmm. around personal, team, and culture. So if you're interested in going how like a literal field guide, uh, and then we also have Giant TV, that Giant TV, Giant TV, that that gives them uh, insights into both. So if you're more visual, Giant TV is probably better for you. If you're more of a reader, 100X Leader is definitely um, a field guide for them. Everyone who wants to go and kind of take a look at some of those resources, will have that in the show notes for everybody. Uh, the 100X Leader, incredible talk that you gave last night. I, I've had multiple people throughout the course of over even the last 12 hours walk up and say probably one of the best talks that they've heard in the last decade. Uh, these are people who have been industry insiders for you know many, many years. Can you share a little bit about the, the that that mindset? I mean, one of the key principles that you pull out of the 100x leader uh, is the Sherpa mindset. Could you just share with us what is a 100x leader and what is the Sherpa mindset? Yeah. So the idea is, uh, if you think about 100x, um, most leaders in the world are between 60 and 75 percent healthy, and I just keep watching those. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. You just you're around people. And it's like just the everyday minutia of business and work and kids and life starts to drain people. And the older they get, they're either energized and actually moving up or they're moving down. Most are moving down. And so this whole idea of being 75% 
is what most people experience as the best in our world. And this is when they're like they're the proverbial treadmill, you're middle of your career, you're on that treadmill, you just you feel like you're running, running, running and never getting ahead. It's just you're trying to like not fall off the back of it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. But to go to what would what would be 90, 95, 100, what would it look like? What would have to happen for you, the listener, to move from 75 or 80 to a 95 plus? That's one. But then the other side is um, the there's divisive people, there's negative people, there's positive people, but then there's multipliers. And that is a completely different mindset. So to move from one, uh, 75 to 100 is one journey, but to move from a plus to an X. And so the word I was using last night was most people, the best leaders in the world are positively reactive. But there's a difference between positive reactive versus positively proactive. And proactive oh. is the ability to look and see people and what level they need to be at and help them get to that level. So then the Sherpa is the best metaphor for that because the Sherpa are the people on Mount Everest. They're a people group. They help climbers get to the next level. You cannot climb, by the way, Mount Everest. No one's been able to make it without a Sherpa, even the very first climber. So it's just the idea. Sir Edmund Hillary had, he had, had a Sherpa. Sir had Sherpas. Yeah. So, so therefore, if you think about it, no one really can, can climb without someone else. You didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it where I am without someone helping us along the way, a mm-hmm. Sherpa in our life at certain periods of time. So for you and I and all the leaders listening to go, to be a Sherpa means that I fight for the highest possible good. I create support. I put the ropes and the ladders for people climbing. Then I come behind them and challenge them. Mm-hmm. If I challenge people with no support lines, I'm sending people out to their death. Mm-hmm. If I always bring support and carry them up the mountain, then I'm protecting them and they're never really climbing. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of support and challenge together. And that's where the Sherpa uh, mm-hmm. metaphor comes in. Well, I, th- I think in the business sector, it's become somewhat ubiquitous for people to talk about, well, I have a personal coach. I have a personal mentor. We know those are words that we hear thrown around and used uh, quite frequently. And I think that the thing that I really appreciate about this book and uh, how you are encouraging leaders to think about maybe coaching and mentoring differently is because when you frame it up as a Sherpa, you're like, okay, it's not just sitting down over coffee and having, you know, a five minute or five hour conversation, but it's, it's looking at that role and being uh, very intentional. So you're not, you know, dominating, but you're offering support and you're, but you're also challenging, you're doing it in a very artful way. And so I, I could see within the audience last night, people who are very well versed in the, in the concepts and like, oh my goodness, this is a game changer. I, I, I can just tweak this. I can tweak that. I can yeah. get better. Um, and so, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, because think about it. Most, most people haven't, they just haven't thought about this big idea. Like uh, leadership is two full-time jobs. There's the performance of the leader, and then there's the leading of other performers. So you may be really good, if you're listening, you may be really good at performing. So that's awesome. You're great. But you may not be, uh, you might be accidental in leading other performers. So leadership is is uh, a Sherpa. It's like you have to climb. Hmm. A Sherpa has to climb. So we were joking last night about the asthmatic Sherpa. Yeah. It's like you don't want an asthmatic Sherpa. You don't want someone who's barely being able to make it to the next level. 
But they're the studs on the mountain. They're the people who are up and down the mountain constantly. They're like climbing the mountain two and three times oh. where, where somebody else that they're helping might only be climbing it once because they're going up and back, up and back. Right? That's right. Yeah. So to, for you, for the listener to go, hey, we have to be the healthiest leaders in the room. We have, if we're leading something significant, then we have to go before other people. That means we have to do more. And usually they get, people get paid more mm-hmm. for that. But then the, the reality is we have to perform, but then we have to co- um, cognitively learn how to lead other people up the mountain. So if all of a sudden all of you are listening, if we're climbing Mount Everest, we go, hey, we made it. Good job. You made it at the top. We're, all at, we're ba- back at base camp. I'm going to give you three days. And after three days, you've got to take three people up the mountain. Would you know how to do that? That's multiplying. Would you go, oh my gosh, it's one thing for you to climb, but now you got to take whiny people whose zipper, you know, my zipper won't, you know, and it's right. cold and, and all this stuff. I don't like the food. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. tired. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I want the Facebook picture at the top, but I don't want to have to do the work to get there. Right? That's right. right. So that is the idea is like, actually, we have to be prepared right. and we have to learn how do we take other people up the mountain? Well, some people are like, get up here. Just go, you know, right. and it's like, no, 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 no. So I joke I'll, often, I'll say um, the golden rule, everyone knows the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd want it done to yourself. Mm-hmm. The platinum rule, which I didn't make up, but the platinum rule basically is um, actually different because the golden rule, you know, I don't need a hug. Why should you? Yeah. There's an easy way out of it. It's I don't like, need I, support. Yeah, I treat myself horrible, so I'll treat you horrible. Yeah. It's like saying to your wife, well, I don't, why don't you tell her? I told her I loved her when we got married. Yeah. She, if, if it changes, I'll let her know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, everyone's heard that before. Yeah. The platinum rule, though, is um, do unto others as they would want done to themselves. So if you think about leading people, you have to think, okay, wait, I don't need a lot of water or sunlight or I, you know. I'm able to do it on, yeah, but somebody else might not. That's right. That's where what we're getting into today, the five voices make sense because all of a sudden you start understanding the personality of another person and what they need mm-hmm. to get to the next level. So the Sherpa, when I would talk to them, what was amazing about them is they intuitively know how to read people. They don't have language for it per se, mm-hmm. but they can go, okay, this person needs, a, they're more of a feeler. This person's more logical. Uh, based on what they're reading in people, they start then learning how to challenge people. And I think that's the nuance that most leaders don't do. They don't go deep enough in knowing the people they're leading. Mm-hmm. They treat everyone the same and expect results, and it just doesn't work that way. Leadership, it seems to me that what you're diving into is that leadership is not a one-size-fits-all proposition, and that to be a really good leader, you have to be intuitive and understand that each person on your team is going to need different type of support or different type of challenge, and you kind of unpacked that a little bit last night. It's interesting for me to, to see, I mean, I know some of the companies that you're working with, I, I won't mention them. If you want, would like to mention them, I'll let you do that. But you're working with some of the biggest, most successful companies in America and around the world. You've got staff in multiple countries. Uh, you know, leadership is when you go into a bookstore, you, there it's uh, the shelves are replete with uh, leadership books for, for generations, right? I mean, you uh, uh, for a point in time in your career, you actually bought and ran the John Maxwell companies, and he is a phenomenal teacher uh, of leadership. What do you see? There, is, there seems to be some type of uh, transformation that's happening. Mm-hmm. At companies are like, we, even though people have been reading these leadership books, like we need to even double down. We need to get better. I was talking to a VC recently, 
And he said, you know what, Bob, the only thing that makes my companies unique and distinctive and will give me a competitive advantage over my competition is having a really in-depth leadership program and, and developing culture, but really uh, de- uh, developing great leaders within. I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, this, these, seem, these are foundational mm-hmm. principles mm-hmm. that he's talking about. What, what's going on right now in corporate America that's kind of having this transformation? All right. So let's first just let me, let me make a big statement because I'm going to say some radical things here. But I want to make a really strong point. Uh, leader development is crucial. I mean, mm-hmm. the development of people is crucial. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key word. I think it's people development. Okay. Leader development is a part of it, but you want every single person on your organization to become more healthy, mm-hmm. right? Right. And more effective. So there's a mix of uh, IQ, like skills, actual skills to their job. Then there's emotional intelligence and there's personality. We've never had more content than we have now. The problem is in content because the publishers, this is the um, 80s and 90s, leadership became a thing. Before it was managers. Okay. Then it became leadership in the mid 80s. And then the guru model came. And it was all based on a 20th century approach of learning and development. So the gurus would be, uh, you know, big name, big stage, and it was butts and seats, sell them a book. Big personality. Yep. Okay. That was the whole thing. And because it was like. You got some of that even today. I mean, I come thinking of, I, I see some stadiums and people who are prolific on social media, and it's like, I'll teach you how to be a, get this. That's right. And so then those are seminars with yep. 15 this, 20 that, 30 this, all these principles and these bullet points. Mm-hmm. The problem is adult learning has changed. We've changed dramatically. And so the 21st century uh, think about the digital age for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on 24-7. Yep. After 2008, after the, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. I mean, people had to take on more yep. with less, right? So therefore, they stopped reading as much. So technology came. Oh, my goodness. I didn't, I didn't connect those dots, but you're, I, you're absolutely right. So all of a sudden, you think about the technology component. You think about streaming services. You think about 5G that's about to hit. Mm-hmm. Content is now visual. There uh, used to always be say uh, leaders are readers. It's really leaders are listeners. Mm-hmm. Leaders are watchers. So I watch way more. I read far less, which is not good. It just is. And so because of that, you know, I went to bed the other night. I'm going to go read. And Kelly comes in and says, I thought you were going to read. I'm like, well, I am. As I'm looking at my phone, mm-hmm. I was watching a documentary. Mm-hmm. I was kind of reading. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. In my mind, it was the same category. So what's happening is the 21st century, uh, when you move into another century, it probably takes about 15 to 20 years for the transition to take place. The norms to kind of set. And that's where we're at. And so we're now in a 21st century of thinking about, think about like geographically dispersed because of technology. My team, for instance, Mm -hmm. I, I have an office and I have offices but my team is in, my finance team's in Albuquerque. My sales team's in Naples, Florida. My ops teams are in uh, London and Atlanta. And our marketing and our studios in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Because of digital technology, we can use Zoom mm-hmm. and FaceTime. Right. So we see each other all the time. Yep. So that was never able, but the digital age has ushered in a disperse. Then you have the gig economy can get developed because mm-hmm. of that. There's, so the, all those dynamics that have been taking place are affecting the way that we learn. So what's happening with companies we work with, like Google, mm-hmm. what's happening with, um, even with uh, the U.S. Air Force, they're making crazy changes, or any of our big companies and organizations we work with, 
what they're doing is they're realizing the 20th century learning, putting people in a classroom with a seminar or a book doesn't lead to transformation. So the idea of information transfer doesn't lead to transformation. But we had an information transfer process. That was mm-hmm. all publishing was. So because there's so much information, now there's too much. So now, now you got to wade through all of this yeah. and say, what am I going to pick? What am I going to choose? What's going to work? What's not going to work? So now collating and aggregating content from YouTube and this and that. Well, no one's, yeah, okay, it's free, but no one's going to really do that. And no one's mm-hmm. going to do it in a consistent way. So now you've got these leaders who are going, hey, I've got to make the donuts every day. And the donuts have to happen and clients need this. And like, I don't know. So is there a process? So that's all we've done is we've tried to basically create pathways for people. We go, okay, what's the issue? Do you want to get your team to communicate at a higher level? Mm-hmm. Here's your pathway. Do you want to train your people? And so the idea is progress is a process, and there needs to be process, and there's pathways, and there's systems, and, but it needs to be done in visual, digital ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking at our next book being a visual book not actually even writing or actually making it a TV show. And we create TV series Mm -hmm. for leaders. So we just took Netflix and Peloton, put it together and created giant TV so people can binge watch three to seven minute episodes. And that is where I believe that's where Mm -hmm. the whole industry needs to shift. But most people aren't. And Mm -hmm. those are going to die out with the 20th century guru model. It's one of the things that we're very passionate about at Bonvera, and we've been implementing some new forms of training and development for our leaders with the, with our we call it it's the new way MBA, right? Because we understand that there is a whole new way of learning. A whole it, the 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 adult education space is rapidly changing, and so I'm looking forward to chatting with you more about the things that you're doing with Giant and incorporating mm-hmm. a lot of that in with with Bonvera and with our leadership team. Uh, tell us a little bit, before we pivot off of the 100X leader in that Sherpa mindset, There's there was something that I found really funny last night because we all experienced it, but I've never heard someone articulate it the way that you did. It was the asthmatic Sherpa. This is a leader who has had success in their life, maybe in the past, but is currently not performing, but they're encouraging and trying to help people up the mountain, but they're, they, they themselves are not healthy enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And with the, the problems that that caused, can you share a little bit yeah. with our listeners the, about the asthmatic shirt? Because they're probably, they're, 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 <laughs> that, that was the most laughable right. moment of, of the evening when you were sharing about that. So the idea though, you know, was all of us have traded, you know, we all have like glory days, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I have them, you have them. Right. And if I stop and I trade on those glory days, well, people can be around me and they can be really impressed. I mean, you know, some of my glory days, uh, we built the Catalyst conferences, mm-hmm. um, you know, built the Chick-fil-A leader cast. I mean, mm-hmm. that, was, that was, at one time, that was a thing. It was it, the thing. I went the, to, you had yeah. like over 150,000 people yeah, globally. 185,000 was okay. our number. Wow. I, I'm like, sorry. I was the. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. So 185, but that was yeah. our number. We're like, yeah. are you kidding me? And so. Globally plugging in, yeah. listening. You had the best speakers. I mean, you had uh, President Bush and, you know, I mean, those types yeah. of speakers coming in. Tony Blair, you know, we spent uh, Jim Collins, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, all that stuff. If I traded on that, though, mm-hmm. and most people do, I'm like, oh, great. Well, what have you done in this century? <laughs> what have you done in the last 10 years? Yeah. 
And so, well, yeah, so we just created a Netflix meets Peloton. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's the, that is where we're heading. Mm-hmm. So for, for a lot of you listening to think, it's awesome. What you've done is great, but you have to adapt with the times to go, what are you doing right now? You can't leverage your past to the degree that, you know, and so you're, you're losing credibility. Mm-hmm. So credibility and influence is almost a daily thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to be someone that people want to follow. Therefore, I know you do too. Yeah. So therefore, well, what am I doing today? Well, I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't just wake up and put on my gear that maybe doesn't fit anymore. You yeah. know, asthmatic Sherpa our, who's like, yeah, a little. Our, our high school football uniforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And start trading on high school stories. Yeah. It's like, no, actually, here's what I'm doing today. And I woke up today and I'm a liberator for people and I'm helping these three people get to the next level. And then I'm training them. That's why we created these visual tools. We can train people. And so the tools then give them, that's in the 100X Leader book, there's all these tools. You can have them and learn. You don't have to read 20 books. You learn a simple concept, mm-hmm. and you pass that concept on. Right. And then you're helping that person and this person and that person, and all of a sudden they look at you, and you're actively being a Sherpa mm-hmm. to them, not historically been a Sherpa. Right. So for all those listening to Bonvera to go, you may have, you may have had an unbelievable few years you know, back in the aughts, you mm-hmm. know, 2007, 2008, 2009, you were killing it. And you've been trading on that and almost, well, it's like, well, dust yourself off. What has to happen now? What would your legacy be? Mm-hmm. And going, hey, I want to give myself away all the way to the very end. Mm-hmm. I want to be, you want to be in the fight. You want to be in the game all the way up to yeah. the very end. Yeah. It's a way more fun way to live. Yeah, for sure. So that was the asthmatic Sherpa. You covered that last night, which was, as I said earlier, I think really resonated with a lot of folks. Because uh, it's easy for all of us to fall into that. There, there's been times where I, I know that I fall into it. Be like, hey, well, we did this back then. I'd be like, okay, no, hold on, time out. You know, what am, what am I doing today That's to right. help? And when you start to change that mindset, uh, one of the things that I think that you highlighted with the, the Sherpa mindset was the fact that as you were interviewing some of these Sherpas who are probably what could be considered some of the top uh, athletes in the world. That's an athletic pursuit to be able to do it because it's a life and death experience on Everest every single day that you're up there. But uh, you asked a question of a Sherpa and he said, you know what, that's a very Western question. And it 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 allowed you to unpack Mm-hmm. A leadership principle I think is really important. I'd like you to share with our listeners. Yeah, I asked them a, a you know, I asked them the question that most would ask. Hey, yeah. so how many times have have you guys? And I was talking to Fanuru Sherpa and some of his other colleagues. Mm-hmm. And you know, by the way, listeners, you know they're a Sherpa because their last name is Sherpa because mm-hmm. they're a people group. It's, it's really fascinating. Anyway, so it's uh, like Bob Sherpa, Cindy Sherpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you know they're a Sherpa. They're actually uh, like it's almost like Cherokee Indian. You know, yeah. that's a. Anyway, so I asked him, I said, how many times have you guys made it to the top? Like, how many times have you summited? Thinking, well, that's a good question. And they all looked and started laughing at each other. And they said, Jeremy, that's a very Western approach. Um, The very Western question. Now, the question actually, they said, we don't know, but last year I helped 22 people summit. Another guy said, last year I helped 17 people summit. Like, oh, that was it. It was you know, they were framing success completely differently. Yeah. To them, Mount Everest is a god. Mm-hmm. So they have a different level of reverence. Mm-hmm. To the Western climber, it's a bucket list. Mm-hmm. 
to check off, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, they view it very differently. Well, them, they're like, yeah, I helped 17 people summit. That was my job. So to think, listener, if you're listening to this going, what would it take for you to be a Sherpa? Meaning that you're thinking, how many people have you helped get to the next level? How mm-hmm. many people are you helping get to that next level? That is a life you know, leader worth following. It completely reframes how you look and how you lead and how you're engaging with the people that are around you and looking to you as a leader, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So Jeremy, um, doing a slight pivot here on this topic, I, we, we've dove into the 100X Leader, which I think is going to be a game-changing book for uh, any leader who is listening to this. But also, this is the Take the Leap podcast. We're talking about the entrepreneurial journey, and you have been a prolific entrepreneur. I think that uh, most of your excitement comes from entrepreneurial pursuits. I mean, you and I talked back in Atlanta, back in the day, as you were about ready to to launch into, take another big leap in your career to uh, do some new things, uh, which have been extremely successful. For uh, those who are listening, can you maybe share a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, maybe some of the things that you've learned, some of the things that you've experienced? Mm-hmm. It's a very exciting journey, but there can also be obstacles along the way that you've got to overcome. I'd just like to understand, you know, what, what drew you to entrepreneurship? Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I, and I want to encourage everyone listening, but it, it's based on vision, right? So I had a vision early on when I was 18 years old. This sounds mm-hmm. really crazy because people are like, what? Were you kind of a nerd? I'm like, yeah, maybe I was just a leadership nerd in that. Mm-hmm. My, my vision was I wanted to influence influencers. That's what I told people I wanted to be when I grew up. At 18 years At 18 old. 18 years old. And I had, men- been, I had been mentored by some amazing people. And so I was like, I want to, so by the time I was 20, I was living in, I just moved to Russia, mm-hmm. just turned 21 and living in Moscow, started an economic school. Was this before before the fall of the wall? Or no, everybody, just after. after. Just after. It's 1993, okay. six months oh, or so. Wow, so it's like literally fresh. Yeah, so started an economic school, started, uh, we built a marketing consulting business and an accounting training company. And I, I wanted to figure out how to, how to use the world. So how do I leverage the world to fund me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is basically the idea. So let nice. the world fund you to influence it okay. was my motto and mantra. It still has been. Okay. So that really shaped me, right? And so I had a vision of trying to figure out platforms that could help. So uh, Xerox and the Radisson Hotels paid us to do projects for them. And then we turned around and did some you know, projects mm-hmm. for the Russian people to help them. So it was that very holistic approach early mm-hmm. on. So a very mission-driven, very vision-driven in that regard. And so everything that I've been trying to do is figuring out what are models that will scale. That's really been a game for me. It's like, how do I create things that will scale and help people mm-hmm. at the end of the day? So no matter what your, whatever your vision is, then vision should dictate where you go. Some people just go, hey, my vision is to make money. And I go, okay, you know, for me, that's secondary. It money comes, money has to be the funding agent. Mm-hmm. But if, if it was solely to make money, probably my influence is going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. It would be very transactional and not relational. So mm-hmm. my, my, my thought is relationship before opportunity. Opportunity comes when you do relationship really well. And so you can have both. You can have relationship and transaction. Mm-hmm. But if you only go after a chance, I'm preaching now. But anyway, no, no, go continue. So, so my preach on. So my view then is, um, you know, as as I've created all these enterprises and entities, I've been trying to figure out kind of they're in a 
they kind of all fit in this understanding of using business as a platform for influence and how to help people get to the next level. So most all of my companies, it's, uh, you know, my wife and I just started a um, three years ago a modern farmhouse development. Mm-hmm. And it's 50 houses, 21, sorry, 21 houses on 50 acres. Okay. Um, and we built this whole development. Well, it was designed for families to have a different kind of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So there's a purpose in, to it. Intentional living. And yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, by the way, outside of Oklahoma City. Yeah, But it also has, um, you know, it, it, it's called the Prairie at Post for those who want to look at the Prairie at Post.com. But it also has a um, intentional mm-hmm. plan to it. So it, and it's the transaction and we mm-hmm. made money. Yeah. It's both and, right? Right. So that that was kind of the, um, I guess, the strategic framework for me that all of the businesses and things I've done had to kind of be in that genre. So whatever you're listening, if you're listening, you know, what is your vision? And what is it that you, um, you know, that you really want? And then creating your enterprises or your entrepreneurial activity around that vision and for me, vision is always driven and dictated what I do. And as you're pursuing that vision, it's always the, the, the road is wide and easy and flat and there's never any obstacles in the way. And it's just it, it, and, 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 and money. All right. It's, it's always sunny money flows. and money flows. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the tell us about the pathway to <laughs> the to realities on your visions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so uh, it, they always say, you know, it's always 10 times harder, 10 times longer uh, than you think, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's true. And so at the same time, part of that is the molding like that. The journey is what, what molds you. So mm-hmm. the journey in entrepreneurship will either ruin people and wear them out or it'll make them stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's like a marathoner, you know, the, the longer they go, actually, they become stronger at the end of mm-hmm. a really good marathoner. Mm-hmm. So that whole, whole idea for me was, was that, like, I've been perfecting. So I take what I learned here and go, oh, don't do that again. And I collect my 10, 20 things lessons not to learned. do, lessons learned, so that I become faster and have the right partnerships or the right this and that. And so making less mistakes, but there's still going to be mistakes made. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, of the journey and, and the process. For me, I use um, something that, I think it was Deming who made this. This is kind of public knowledge. It's called the change equation. Okay. And the change equation, I use it constantly. And uh, I think about it all the time. And it's a simple formula. It's C equals D times V times N. It's greater than R. And it basically means this. Change equals dissatisfaction with your status quo. Okay times your vision for the future, okay. times the next steps to get to that vision have to be greater than the resistance to that vision. So here's what I mean. Start with dissatisfaction. If all of you are listening, if you want to, if you want to write this out, you can write this little formula. D, what is your dissatisfaction with your status quo, your current situation? Bullet points. Oh, I'm frustrated. I'm not making enough. I'm not earning. I thought this was going to work out. It's not. I dot, the dot, the dot, the dot. You list your dissatisfaction. Then you go, great, okay, that's fine to have dissatisfaction. Now go to vision. What's your vision? Dust it off. Do you have a vision? Do you know what you want? If your vision is not higher than your dissatisfaction, you'll be hopeless. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs who have become hopeless. So for you listening to go, you have to dust your vision off. Your vision has to be stronger and bigger. Mm-hmm. This is a, your dreams for the future. Yeah. What, what, what you, this is what yeah. I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. 
So for us and, and Giant, about 18 months ago, we were dissatisfied with our business model. We had a consulting business model, mm -hmm. and we were dissatisfied with our gross margin. We were dissatisfied with X, Y, and Z. Okay. So we're like, you know what? I don't think it's going to help us because we really believed in our vision. Our vision mm -hmm. is to raise up a different kind of leader. Uh, we call them liberating leader. Mm -hmm. Raise up liberating leaders around the world who change their own culture, and it creates a butterfly effect, and they start changing the world by changing their worlds. Mm -hmm. And that was really our vision. So we feel very strongly about the world using our content as a language that can actually change and shape culture, companies, and so forth. So we believed that so much so, but we realized that our dissatisfaction, unless we changed our model, it wasn't going to get to our vision. Mm -hmm. So our next steps would be, well, we're going to create a leadership platform. We're going to open it up and anyone, any coach, any consultant, anyone in the world can partner with Giant mm -hmm. and earn income on, on Giant TV. That was just an example. Like, mm -hmm. So all of those things had to change, but the, the next steps are really hard, which then leads to your resistance. What's the resistance to that vision in those next steps? Well, the resistance would be, uh, what are the barriers? We didn't really have any barriers. We didn't have any regulations we had to work around. You could have a partner that wants to go a different direction. You got That could be resistance. Or? But that's a hurdle. That's a hurdle, okay. So then the next one, so we had barriers, okay. hurdles, and gaps. Gotcha, okay. I got ahead so, of you. So a barrier is anything that you have to work around. Okay. So uh, let's say in Bombera's case, FDA, there's certain regulations and there's certain things that right. you have. There's just laws right, yeah. that are barriers that, that you have to work around. Mm -hmm. Then there's hurdles that you have to jump over. It could be a partner attitude. It could be, maybe it's a partner who's so fixated on their own world that they're not realizing they're distracting the organization. Mm -hmm. That is an issue. Mm -hmm. That's a hurdle. You have to work around it. Then there's gaps, which are like computer uh, software systems or a specific role that you need to fill. Mm -hmm. Or there's a whole, we, we, don't, ha we don't have the skill set in mm -hmm. our organization. So when you lay them all out, you go, hey, this is actually a formula for change. Okay, mm -hmm. dissatisfaction, got it. Vision, mm -hmm. that went up a notch. Mm -hmm. Next steps, resistance, then you have your game plan right there. That makes sense? It makes perfect sense. So, and so this is something that you've kind of used as an entrepreneur throughout, throughout your journey, not only personally, but also within the companies that you're leading to say, hey, let's craft our strategic game plan. Let's take a look at this. I love yeah. it. So, so a real quick example of this, my parents, mm -hmm. 70 years old plus, and they're dissatisfied with their farmers. They have, you know, a uh, thousand uh, acres or so in Oklahoma. And farming right now is getting really tough. <laughs> They're 70 years old, getting older. Yeah. Combines, the price of a combine is uh, used 250,000, wow. new 450,000. Wow. Do they want to invest in that at their age? Uh, tariffs aren't mm -hmm. helping. Mm -hmm. uh, price isn't helping, the commodity pricing. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, and there's no help from the government and that people hear that, right. but there's not really, dissatisfaction is really, really high. Right. Um, then vision. So I went through this process with my parents. Mm -hmm. The vision was uh, pretty low. The vision was to help their help their parents. Three out of four of them had passed away. Mm -hmm. So we have one grandparent left. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a vision. That's just a short term. Pro so they had to go. What is our vision? Married at our age. Yeah. What do we want? What do we want when we grow up? 
Mm-hmm. What do we really, really want, right? So that's what vision had to be. Well, they were becoming hopeless because their vision was a little dulled and the dissatisfaction was high. Oh, yeah. So then we go, okay, what are the next steps? Well, what are the assets that we have at the farm? So we started looking. And go, hey, we have, a, we have a corn barn. We have, um, so we're, the next steps are, let's turn it into a, a wedding venue. Let's create an Airbnb park. Let's develop some land that mm. can be used. And all of a sudden, awesome. the vision went back up. Right. The next steps became, okay, well, we know how to do this. This is what my wife does. She's a developer. And, right. you know, and so what's the resistance? Any barriers? No. We're out of city limits. There's mm-hmm. no – what are the hurdles? That's going to be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. What are the gaps? Well, we have a few people we're going to need to hire. And mm-hmm. so – See what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden, we reframed an entrepreneurial activity based on this change equation, and their hopes went up. So you took, again, this is you going back to saying, Bob, I believe one of my superpowers, and we talked about superpowers this morning, but one of, you said one of my superpowers is taking very complex situations and breaking it down and helping people to be able to understand it so they could take action on it. It's just interesting to see how you did that with your parents, because I could see there's a lot of people late in life, late in dissatisfied, unhappy, but really not knowing the reason why or where they want to go. How do I even change? It just seems like this big murky mess. And you just walk in and say, here's the equation. That's it. So it's the process. So you got to get mm-hmm. your mind there because a lot of people listening, all of us as human nature, we have a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then we also have personalities. Well, our personalities will dictate our tendencies. So some of us have a tendency be negative first, say no, mm-hmm. before we say yes. Mm-hmm. Some of us say yes too fast. So in looking at a business venture, some of us are not risk takers. Or risk, so we're so risk averse that we limit what could be. And so what has to happen is you actually have to go back to vision. I just believe vision. Has, so if you really, really want something, then you'll do way, way more. Mm-hmm. But if you just want incremental, you know, I just want 2000 more a month. I could just have 2000 more a month. That's mm-hmm. all. I, okay, really? Is that the vision? Mm-hmm. That will not sustain you. That will not that will not drive you. You'll do whatever it takes to get 2000 a month and everyone around you will will feel it. Mm-hmm. You're just transactional. Right. But to go no, actually, I want to build a business. I mean, that's the beauty of Bonvera. You can build a business. But make you got to have a bigger vision. What is the vision of my life? Well, the vision could be, I heard, uh, oh, someone last night, well, what's her name, the dental hygienist that was right before me? Oh, introduced Nicole, me. Nicole Porter. Yeah, Nicole Porter. She's like, hey, I was a dental hygienist. I know that my wife is a dental hygienist. So, I, you know, she's in a rhythm. She has a job. She's paying, she's getting paid for her time. Mm-hmm. Well, Bonvera gives it an opportunity to build something way bigger. So mm-hmm. for her, she had a bigger vision of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a lifestyle change. Right. Awesome. That's a vision. Great. And then Bonvera was the platform or the vehicle for that to happen. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of, of your business. You can give people that. But it's got to be more than just money. Right. Money's a part of it. Right. So absolutely, that's part of it. Wouldn't it be nice if, but I also have time mm-hmm. and money. But also, what if Bonvera was your platform for influence? What if you could use this platform to actually go, I'm going to be a 100x leader. I'm going to be a multiplier. I'm going to use this business to have influence and impact in people's lives from a leadership perspective, uh, from a all different uh, holistic perspective. I'm going to make people better. Mm-hmm. And that became your vision. 
then the platform of Bonvera, the platform of anything, mm-hmm. then is then used uh, in that way. And that's just a different mindset. It's, it's a game changer for me in my life when I have had either, like, so let's say, a personal goal, and then when I've had a goal that's been more team-oriented, where I felt like I was part of a bigger cause and I was helping other things. Like, so one of the, I, I absolutely loved serving when I was in the military because I felt like I, I knew I was a part of something bigger than myself, doing something very important. And I think one of the things that you've highlighted there, and I see the, the people that have been uber successful that I really appreciate, very rarely, you, and you're a classic example of this, very rarely do they talk about things that they are, are their own personal goals. Certainly they have them. But what really motivates them and excites them is that Sherpa mindset that you've been talking about where their their real goal, their real passion is, yeah, there's things that I, I want to do, but I really get excited when I help other people achieve. When I can take somebody, that a, a family member, a friend who's been hopeless, or someone who's been trying to do something, hasn't been able to have success in life, who's been trying to accomplish whatever, and you help them get across the finish line, you help them achieve their goals, there's just something absolutely magical and empowering about helping other people live their best life. Absolutely. It, it actually is transformational in your own life because it, it is the fuel. So if you think about mm-hmm. coal, it, right. it's the fuel inside us. When that takes place, when that happens, all of a sudden we want to do it more and more. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a drug. Right. Like, hey, I want to help. So getting people to the next level. So what, ha- what you need to do then is think, who are the people in my life and can you start assuming the best in them, not expecting the worst? Mm-hmm. Can you start looking at who they really are? And then the phrase that we use in the Sherpa in the 100X book is, uh, call them up, mm-hmm. not call them out. So how do you call people up to what you see that they could be? Mm-hmm. Not call them out for not being there. Oh, that's an important principle. And so uh, we have this famous story um, of, a, of a, one of our clients who, mm-hmm. is a, who did a... Um, we got some people next door who are having a good time. <laughs> it's kind of loud, uh, but we—he uh, is an umpire. He's okay. an umpire of a ten-year-old baseball game, and um, he was telling the story that was behind the catcher, a little ten-year-old, mm-hmm. and the catcher, uh, the fly ball ones up, goes up in the air, and the catcher doesn't take his mask off. The ball falls behind him and misses the out. So what the coach comes out and says, "Tommy, Tommy, look at me, look at me, pull your head out, Tommy, pull your head out." And half of the audience, half the crowd was like, did he just say pull your head out to a 10-year-old? And the other half is like, yeah, Tommy, pull your head out. Like, that's all. So then Tommy goes and gets the ball, doesn't know what to do, just throws the ball back. And what is he thinking the whole time? Yeah. Don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. Yeah, I'm going to get you Everyone's watching me. I'm embarrassed. I can't believe I did that. What did I do? Right. Mm-hmm. The next inning, same other team comes out. Same thing happened with the other catcher. The ball goes up. Falls behind him. The, the coach comes out and says, hey, 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 Kevin, look here, bud. Look, mask off, pivot your feet, look up. The ball will be there. Now, come on. Mm-hmm. Right? Same play. So it's like, which coach would you want to work for? Which coach would you want your kid playing for? Right. Pull your head out is calling people out. It's what most of us have learned how to do. Right. I'm frustrated. Dang it. I'm mad. Dad gummit, don't do that again. Yeah. That's not training. Training mm-hmm. is, hey, hey, I'm frustrated. It's high support, right. high challenge. Still bringing challenge. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to use the same amount of time to call people out, wouldn't it have been better if I call people up? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I'll tell people, like, Amy, this is who you are. Or 
Dan, come on, don't you see it? Mm-hmm. This is who you are. What's going on? Yeah. You're you're this type of leader. You're this type of performer. You're you're not there, but you can do it. And here's I know how. who you are. Right. Why? What's going on down here? Why are mm-hmm. you down here? And you cause people to self-reflect on why they're down there, and then they'll lead themselves up the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different deal. So, in a business context, mm-hmm. let's say you're calling somebody out, and you're it's a high performer, yeah, and they've they've been performing at a high level for quite some time, and they are not performing there now. And you want to call them up, and they they give you let's say it's someone on your team. They're giving you an excuse. They're yeah. like, "Well, it's because of X, Y, and Z," and you know that that is a manufactured excuse mm-hmm. that they're using that as a protective cover for their lack of performance. How do you address that with 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 that individual? Do you do you continue to call them up, or do you address that excuse and you say, "Hey, Sally, I know that's what you think. I know that's what you're saying because it's it's plausible. It's." But that's that excuse is not valid. So the first thing that has to be established in the culture is objective language, okay. meaning that we create tools that everyone needs to understand. Mm-hmm. Because if I have the tools, if not, it's subjective. So subjective is, hey, I need to just step it up, Bob. Mm-hmm. I know who you are. Step it up. Come on. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know what that means. So if I give objective language and some visual tools. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we always say is your job as a leader you're looking for people to be responsive, mm-hmm. not resistant. If they're resistant consistently and you give them a chance to be responsive, but they continue to be resistant, then they probably shouldn't be on the team. Then you need to let them go. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to tell them that. Mm-hmm. What I do all the time with my people is I always let them know where we're at. So we use this process called developing others, and there's unconscious incompetence. Then there's conscious incompetence. So I will state with people, hey, guys, I think we're, we're starting a new division. Mm-hmm. I know we're clueless. We're all unconsciously incompetent right now. I just want you all to know that, that I know that we are, and it's okay. We're going to learn. Then we're going to consciously be incompetent. Then together, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We're in a consciously incompetent stage. All of us need to move to conscious competence. Mm-hmm. Like we need to know, so what has to happen for us to get there? So I'm using that language constantly for people so that when there is an issue where someone screws up, uh, I can go, come on now, Jay, really? We're, we're up here, bud. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Where are you at? And Do you see it? And if anyone gives me an excuse, I go, are you, is this resistance right now? And so I'm giving them the chance to have to answer the question because right. they know the language. Right. Does that make sense? It does. So that gives them a fair shot. So there are no excuses. Guys, I know we've been in conscious incompetence, but this has been happening way too long. Mm-hmm. So we have to be over here by now. What's it going to take to get you over here? What do you need from me? Do you need more support? What support can I give you? Mm-hmm. Or people will always know this. Um, I'll say, let's say we're working together and there's an issue. Hey, Bob, um, you know I'm for you, right? All right. That's that means challenge is about to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you know I'm for you. We're friends. We're, we're, we're friends. I'm for you. I want your best. I'm going to call you up. Yep, I'm going to call you up. Sometimes I'm noticing that this is happening. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I give them the chance to address it. I say, here's the issue. What's happening? Letting them, I can then see by asking that question, I can see how they're thinking. If they start giving me excuses, then I can. I have the language to mm-hmm. start shaping that, right? 
So the, it's, a, it's always a, a process and a journey. We have something called a performance diagnostic, which then goes through, and it, it first asks the question, it's like a, a, a list. Is it us? Meaning, is our culture changed and they haven't been performing? So if, if someone's not performing very well mm-hmm. long-term, and you've had lots of conversations and they've kind of been semi-resistant, mm-hmm. but acting like responsive, I go through the performance diagnostic and go, is it us? Did, our, did the company change? Is it our values that's affected them? No, no, nothing's changed, we're good. Okay, um, have I given them enough training for their mm-hmm. job? Mm-hmm. Uh, have I given them oh, enough? Because, so you're putting it on you to start, maybe I failed. Yeah, Okay. the Sherpa mm-hmm. starts with themselves. Mm-hmm. Did I put the ropes down? I did put the ladder there. Yeah. So they had it all right. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't that. Okay. I gave them enough support, mm-hmm. I gave them enough challenge. Is it a competency issue? Do mm-hmm. they actually know what to do? No, they don't. Oh, okay. okay. Is there another position in the organization? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's head. Let's mm-hmm. go to heart. Uh, is there pa- Are they passionate about the company and the organization? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're totally passionate. Is there any values infringement? No, they're a good person. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't their heart. It was a head issue. They're not, gosh, we just don't, we can't afford to keep them on that level because mm-hmm. we, we don't have unlimited resources right? and that person's taking a position. What can I do to help them? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you've got a checklist, but it always starts with you first. And most leaders are always starting to call out first. Dad, gum it, Bob. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you? Why yeah. didn't you? Well, actually. Look in the mirror first. You have no support lines. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do. You've never spent one... I spent time with this head coach of mm-hmm. a major program. He told me I've never ever had with his last three jobs. He was an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. He said I never met with the coach face to face. Any of the coaches one to one. How is that even possible? What? I was shocked. He goes, "You'd you'd be surprised how much that happens." So you never. No, I was always in a team meeting. Yeah, but never had a one to one with my head coaches. Wow. So he didn't know how to do that with other people. All right. So he didn't know how to call people up. He knew how to call people out because mm-hmm. that's all he had ever experienced. Mm. It's a complete mindset yeah. shift. All right. So on your entrepreneurial journey, any it, it, for young entrepreneurs, we've, and it's interesting. We, we, we've actually been talking an awful lot about leadership, about personal leadership. And I think that that is so critical in the entrepreneurial journey. You, I don't think you can be a successful entrepreneur unless you are first starting with personal development, understanding and uh, honing your leadership skills because you've got to lead, know yourself to lead yourself. That's one of your quotes. And then you also have to be able to lead others. Entrepreneurship is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. That's right. So for, for those who are listening, what are maybe uh, as we're uh, winding down this episode, what, what are some things maybe that you've learned? Any you're either through successes or failures. And I know that if you're, you're probably an awful lot like me, you learn a lot more from your failures at times than you do your successes. What are things that you've learned in your journey that you'd share with some folks? Uh, my dad always said this in my twenties and it was really helpful. So if you're a young leader, young entrepreneur, um, it's not what you do, it's who you work for. That's most important. So actually learning mm-hmm. and coming underneath someone and being apprenticed by someone mm-hmm will speed up the process so, so quickly. So I learned, my, my guy was Kent Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Kent Humphreys really? taught, showed me the ropes. 
So Kent, I was I was a leader underneath Kent, mm-hmm. and so I learned so much just from being underneath him. And mm-hmm. He was an entrepreneur, so I, I got to I got to learn and understand financials. I got to learn how he dealt with employees. I saw just kind of his, but he was a support and challenge man. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he was like you did not super nice, amazing person mm-hmm. and super challenging, mm-hmm. which was just so refreshing. That's why we need more of these kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be one thing that I, I would always say. The second one, and I said this before, was really, really knowing your vision and uh, testing your vision to go, is it real? What do you really, really want? And is it real? And I think Will it motivate you when you're, yeah. when you're going through the, the really tough obstacles? Will you still be like, I'm doing it because that vision is real? That's right. Um, and then the third one would be, this is really hard for me. The circumstances don't dictate your behavior. Like, how do you treat circumstances? This is a, a newly learned skill and trait I'm trying to learn. How do you let circumstances lead to upgrades? Meaning, how do you t- how do you take negative circumstances and they don't change your behavior? Mm. But negative circumstances actually produce an upgrade in you. They cr- produce perseverance. They actually produce a whole nother level. So it's almost like, the more negative circumstances, the more it fuels me mm-hmm. for positive, not for negative. It's almost like a Navy SEAL mindset. You know, you talk to, uh, you know, high performers in, in combat situations. It's like when the bullets start flying, they start performing even at a different level where everybody else is kind of cowers, you know, cowers and, you know, hide in the corner. Yep. They're stepping into it and being like, all right, I'm ready to go. Right. right. So it's a Navy SEAL mindset there. Yeah. It's motivating. It's fueling. And so... That's one where I think the best entrepreneurs I've mm-hmm. found, because uh, setbacks, missed expectations, bad partnerships, all those things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if uh, I've, I've been around so many, I've counseled so many entrepreneurs who all of those things piled on, piled on, piled on, and they got defeated as a person. Then they chose some addiction. They left their wife. They chose, uh, I'm just going to go after money. Mm-hmm. And they sold out. Get jaded and be like, all right, screw this. I'm and, done. And, you know, I was on an airplane once with this guy. And he's like, um, it, it was so funny. This is a crazy story. You'll love it because okay. of the year past. So how we got the Air Force. Okay. This happened on an airplane. I'm with this guy. And I am and I didn't want to talk. I'd been speaking all day. Right. Kind of had my headphones in. And this guy had drunk a, a few vodka tonics. <laughs> and he was a little bit loose. Yeah. He found out he's an entrepreneur. He starts asking me questions, and I start answering him. And then he he starts then saying, "So you believe in partnerships, huh?" I go, "Yeah, I, I have. I'm in several partnerships. I believe in them." He goes, "All my partnerships," and he starts really laying into all of his partners. Right. He had four partnerships that had gone bad. Mm-hmm. He had been on the third marriage. Oh wow! And so he starts negatively talking about every single one of them. And I go, "Is there a common his name thread?" Was Bill. And I go, <laughs> "Hey, Bill," and I, I pulled out. Uh, my two by four and I put velvet around it basically with this question. I go, Bill, do you think it might be you? And it just struck him like so hard. And he was like, what? What did you just say? say What what did you say? You just went there with me on a plane. Boom. Okay. Do you think it might be you? And he just started tearing up and like it really got him. And I don't know if it was the booze or the question, but whatever happened, he just starts admitting and he goes, I had this and this and this, and I've never really had one mentor me and blah, 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 and would you help me? I'm like, absolutely, man, I'd be glad to. So I thought, well, this guy's for sure gonna call me because it was a powerful, I gave him three or four tips and things he can do with an immediate partnership, 
gave him my card. Um, he was like, he couldn't, he was profusely thanking me, hugged me on the way out. I mean, it was like crazy situation. Right. It's like, it's like right out of a movie. Yeah. Never calls me ever. The guy never called me. Uh, two days later, I get an email because I, oh, I didn't have a card. I had, I, I, I gave him my email and he wrote okay. it down. Okay. That's what happened. Two days later, I get an email and he goes, Hey, this is, my name is Bill DeMarco. And I, I hate to, um, say this, but I've been, I, I feel like a stalker here, but I overheard that entire conversation on the airplane. That was the craziest and boldest thing I've ever heard. And that's what every leader needs to do. Your counsel, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, it was so impactful and helpful for me. This is a passenger that was like behind you or somewhere two, on the... Yeah, two rows ahead of me. Okay. And he listens, gets the email, and he's Colonel DeMarco. That's how he got in the U.S. Air Force. From that conversation. Oh, my goodness. So now we train all the captains and majors on the five voices, and now they're training on it, all because I had the guts on an airplane. To speak truth. To speak truth. To, to someone who needed it. To call somebody up. This is who you could be. This is what you can be. And uh, it led us to this. Uh, isn't that crazy? That is a crazy story. You, know, one of, it, it, you, you highlight, I just want to share this, but you, you highlight something that's very important is that you had the guts. To, uh, to, to call somebody up, to speak truth into their life, even when you knew it may not be accepted. And a lot of times I hear of coaches, mentors, people who are working with a particular individual, and they see the issue. They know what the issue is. And I've heard this multiple times. It just it literally pains me when I hear it. I say, well, I can't speak truth to that person because they're not ready to hear it. I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, how long is that individual going to have to stay in that spot? Now, I, I intuitively get why a person wouldn't want to speak truth to an individual because they're not ready to hear it because oh, so there's going to be conflict, there's going to be friction, there could be all those types of things. But I think to myself, isn't that the role of a coach and a mentor mm -hmm. is to speak truth to people even when they don't want to hear it, even when they're not ready to hear it because that's the only way that person's going to get better. How do you... How do you navigate yeah, that? Yeah, so we always say, is someone unripe, ripening, or ripe, mm -hmm. right? And so there's a process. Well, we put tools in the water stream and visual and common language. Those tools do the heavy lifting. So a lot of times I'll put a tool in and it becomes a mirror and it starts unripe people and it starts ripening them okay. faster. Mm -hmm. So the visual common language, visual tools with common language actually can keep, as a tool creates change. If I tell you you have broccoli in your teeth, mm -hmm. you'll go, oh, yeah, well, you've got broccoli in your teeth, too. Yeah. And so that pride will elevate mm -hmm. if I tell someone to do it. But if I show them something and then I explain, hey, here's what happened to me, mm -hmm. and I'm vulnerable and share my own weakness, right. it may move someone from unripening to ripening. Mm. And then they could be ripe for the opportunity to actually see transformation. So, so I think that's um, the importance of common language. Mm -hmm vulnerability, sharing your own weakness, and just being secure. I'm, not, I'm just secure. I have screwed up a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm secure. Right. I don't have anything to prove. It's like this is the reality. But I also have a really strong vision and mm -hmm. a big passion for things. So. Well, it's interesting because you, um, as you highlight that, I think that one of the things that you're very gifted at, and you, you shared this last night when you were speaking, you were able to encourage people and build 
trust and credibility by being transparent and being vulnerable. You, you didn't have to be the smartest guy on the stage, right? You, you, you were using areas and you say, Hey, look, here's where I've, I've messed up. Even recently, I, you know, I made a mistake here and here's how I overcame it. I think some people feel that they've got to be the smartest, the strongest, the most successful, that they, they've got to this, this be perfect. And then that they've got to teach and influence from this high stature of perfection. Be like, no, I think the best teachers are people who are vulnerable and yeah. open up and say, "Hey, look, I I I'm I struggle, I I I fail in these areas. Here's what I'm working. Here's how you right. It's real. People follow genuine, authentic. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's just real. I'm not trying to prove myself. To, mm-hmm. I've got things that people can use. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've done it. Right. Uh, but my motive is different, and I think that's a key component. Is uh, I always, I have this phrase: uh, I have nothing to prove, nothing to fear, nothing to lose. If I can stay in that mindset, if I can get there, mm-hmm. nothing to fear, nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Think about how much more secure you could be as, a, as an entrepreneur. That's when you walk into superpower, when you can get past those things. Wow. Uh, r- real, real quickly, as we, as we close up here, I, you're a, a prolific author, best-selling author, uh, outside of your own books, which um, yeah, they, yeah. they are uh, phenomenal. We're going to have... Uh, the 100X Leader and Five Voices. We'll also put five gears in the show notes. And these are books that uh, we at Bonvera are going to be using, our own leadership teams. And you know, I've used them in the past when I was at Crown. We've had uh, multiple leaders that have gone through your training program. But what are other books, that, either a book that you're currently reading that's been really impactful? Do you or, mean outside of Bob Dickey books? <laughs> that- yeah, yeah, you can't mention any books <laughs> I've read, <laughs> written. Um, yeah, the number one book that I, I for me, my number one book in the last 10 years mm-hmm. has been um, called Heroic Leadership by Chris Lowney. Okay. It was the story of how the Jesuits have been around for 450 years. Mm-hmm. How they, it's unbelievable. It's got history, it's got leadership, it's got story. It's, it was so impactful on us and our business. Mm-hmm. So that would be it. That's a book if you, if you want a leadership book from Heroic from, Leadership. Heroic Leadership by Chris Lowney. Okay. Uh, about the the Jesuits and uh, man, it it really shaped us okay. big time. You're a prolific traveler, and you're very very busy. Do you have any uh, particular life hacks or things that you do to kind of help you stay focused and stay organized and be productive while you're on the road and in the in this hectic season of your life? Yeah, so I uh, probably do have a lot. Uh, I haven't thought of it as much, but you know, Delta helps uh, once you get into the the sky miles mm-hmm. program so being diamond helps yeah, yeah. because it yeah. sure uh makes it easier so the sky club and all we'll those if, things we'll see if delta will uh, sponsor this podcast now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. So, i'm a delta diamond as well so i know anytime that i've been canceled somewhere i just like have that magic 1-800 number call them up and it's like things just happen so i love right. it yeah so that helps a lot yeah. right um so what i do my my life hack is uh, I don't, you know, I have, uh, I have my my music, mm-hmm. so I have a little uh, playlist, mm-hmm. and I create a playlist probably every two or three months, and it's just my music for travel or whatever mm-hmm. season I'm in, because mm-hmm. uh, I like music, I'm motivated that way. Uh, but I also have this thing where I pray for people of peace, and I look for people of peace. And uh, so what happens every morning when I turn the shower on, God, who do you want me to help today? Um, is there anyone that you want me to heal or help or mm-hmm. something to help them get uh, solve an issue. Mm-hmm. And what do, what that does when I'm on the road is I meet the create that have the craziest situations happen. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm helping people. And when I do that, it like literally makes the trip more fun because it's not about, I got to do this and this and this. I just I'm looking for people. I'm like, huh. And so I meet people and have these experiences that, um, are book worthy. Mm -hmm. Their stories and they're uh, pretty crazy. Uh, share a little more about the looking for uh, and praying for meeting people at peace. Because you were sharing a little bit about this yeah. this morning. I'd like to because and you want, you want to be able to walk within your superpower. And you talked about a badge and a gun. Just real real quickly yeah, yeah, highlight yeah. that. Well, you know, you look at uh, how Jesus changed the world. Whether you whether you believe he was a teacher prophet, Messiah. It doesn't matter, whatever you think that he was. How he changed the world was he got a bunch of blokes and just regular guys, and he equipped them, and he gave them power and authority, and they actually walked out, and they um, they just they did it. They just healed. They took things out of people, and they called people up. They raised them up. And so I just do that. I've looked for people of peace. So he told them, find people of peace and stay with them. Don't go on to the next place. Just stay there with, and, and serve them, help them. And when you do that, uh, basically, he had said, God will take care of you through the people that you've helped. And so it's just a more fun way of living. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my life hack. It's like I've figured out that I can wake up every day and I'm going to find someone to help. And in the process of helping, it not only fueled me, but it also took care of us. A lot of times they become, in your case, they could become a Bon Vera entrepreneur mm -hmm. in our case then maybe they become a coach or consultant or they use giant in mm -hmm. some way mm -hmm. so that's how we get into our our clients as people experience who we are like we live liberation as a lifestyle so if you live liberation as a lifestyle it's natural it's mm -hmm. genuine so when they meet you they want more of you right it wasn't a shtick it's not something i'm selling it is who we are and that's that's my life hack is be genuine, be real. And as you go, you meet people along the way that kind of make the journey fun. That's a great way for us to, to close off this particular episode. Uh, Jeremy, you uh, not only live these principles and teach these principles, but it's uh, it's motivating and encouraging to, to be around you because I, I see it in multi, um, multifaceted in your life. But uh, flipping the whole entrepreneurial pursuit in uh, realm somewhat on its head by being first and foremost an intentional leader and looking how you can serve and love on others, help them to live their best life. And because of it, you've been uber successful. And so uh, I'm going to continue to um, wish you the best, pray for success for you and your family and everything that you're doing at Giant and uh, the, the great work that you're doing in companies, not only here within the United States, but uh, teaching and training and equipping leaders around the world. We really thank you for being a part of the, the podcast and uh, certainly we'll have all of uh, the show notes uh, full of uh, books and resources that uh, you, you and your company are providing. Uh, so for those of you that have been listening today, I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Jeremy Kubitschek, the CEO and founder of Giant. Uh, make sure to share this episode with friends and family. And if you would like to have another uh, someone uh, be on this show, someone that you think that would be a, a great person to interview and uh, give some uh, thoughts and insights, please don't hesitate to reach out and contact us and we'll do our best to record that individual. Thank you so much. And until next time, have a wonderful life.